0: We drove up to Wayne Manor, but weren't sure just what Bruce and Dick were going to tell us this time. It seemed like we'd already heard everything from them. But when we knocked, it was Alfred who opened. Alfred! Though a bit more paunchy and British than we expected. He took us through the new Bat Cave and sat us down for an interview with the dynamic duo. When they started getting lost on tangents about the penguin with fishing rods and an inflatable dog, Alfred was the one to chime in with insights that really helped us understand the era in full. We should have expected it. When we needed help to close the case on the Golden Age, the butler did it. Hi, I'm John.
1: And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC comics history and chronicle the
0: evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every re- reversible finish. There we go. That's no, fine. No, Remix. Getting it out early. Remix. It was fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked it. That's cool.
1: We could do that. That'll work. Someone someone make a song out of that. Auto-tune a spell.
0: Working at the red con, yeah. <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> I like that now. I'm going to sing that to myself.
0: Like, that, that's actually the kind of thing that you could just have as, like, it's short enough to be, like, a little sound effect you could play whenever something happens that like, is uh, actually a red retcon. Was it,
1: like, King Ross has the John O'Clock? sound pretty much or he now has tea time
0: for whenever booker t says something stupid <laughs> it's amazing also props to uh adam for getting his name back
1: yay we, we love you plumpy but now you are officially again adam from what culture and uh good good on you lasagna
0: that was a that was rough for like three months where you were plumpy and i couldn't do anything about it <laughs> uh, no. for the record for those who don't know what we're talking about uh what culture pro wrestling is amazing and you guys should watch it and at one point, they put one of their names up as a stake for a competition.
1: Right. Um, these guys not only run their own tiny wrestling company that has actually grown to a very large wrestling company, um, they also do YouTube content based around wrestling. And they're also just very good about that. They're mm-hmm. really informative and really interesting and really smart people. Um, and Adam Blampier and Adam Pachiti bet that one of them had to change their name to Plumpy if they lost to the predictions for Wrestlemania of 2017. Adam Blampied lost, and for, I want to say, geez, for like four months, he was Plumpy. And every video, every appearance he made, even in the wrestling company that they run, and on Twitter, he was Plumpy. From what culture?
0: And I know this sounds like a Billfinger plot line, but it's not.
1: And it worked because <laughs> when they won their predictions at SummerSlam this year, Adam won the right to refer to himself again as "Adam from what culture." And he like almost cried in the middle of that. and it was, it was a beautiful little moment and it was great. And uh, his tweet, I think, right when he won, was, "Hello, I am Adam from what culture." And I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) Like, I was like, good for you, man. Like, that was, that was rough. Because it's, oh, what culture pro wrestling, guys? And uh, if you ever wanted to get into wrestling, that's probably where I would push you.
0: It's a good place to start.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I started you off. And then, like, you got more and more interested when you were like, okay, this is what it
0: could be. And then, like, here's what wrestling is. And also... It also like it helped a lot that the same people were involved in the explanatory videos like right. the How you would book blank right or, so, really, or or top 10 things about blank. Those are good introductory wrestling right. uh, videos. And if you are enjoying a comics podcast, like seriously, you're gonna really enjoy good wrestling because it's really, really the same kind of like ongoing narrative storytelling.
1: Th- there's also a secondary element to wrestling. Um, that I really enjoy, that I think we both do. Um, So you know how in sports, people kind of just like predict based off of like, oh, well, they've got these players, and these guys are really hot right now because they're on a good streak, and that's probably why they're going to win, or, oh, this other team has hometown advantage, things like that. That comes into play, but also you have to consider the fact that it is a scripted show. So things can organically change per match, However, there is a script that they must stick to. So not only are you watching athletes, but you're also watching a live performance of entertainment. So you can be going like, oh my God, I love this wrestler. He's so good. He's going to win because he's the best right now. But then you have to think about, oh my God, because I feel this way, they might make him lose because that would upset me despite how much better of a wrestler he is than this other guy. So you, you begin to get into this weird, like, ooh, what are the politics behind each match? Who's got a good push right now? Who's really popular right now? Who's selling a lot of merch? Who in real life has a lot of heat with fans? It's, it's this whole other dynamic that you don't really get with sports that I think is really interesting, because it's it's creative sports. But, you know, we're doing Batman, who's
0: kind of a wrestler he's a monk no 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 i've got the i've got the transition okay you know what also isn't a scripted show Ooh. this one. Ooh. that is true <laughs> as you can obviously tell oh so and, if you couldn't
1: tell much to joanne's chagrin and uh, if you don't know now you know now you know that's oh it's true it's damn true <laughs> uh, we, i did it i did it again wrestling yeah um batman again because that's what we're doing, and we're never going to get away from him until after this episode. And then we're going to do some other stuff.
0: The, you remember this song's about Atlas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I get props for old references. That was a good one. That's a, that's
1: that's some of our, our older our older audience will get that one, but. More, more Batman. We're going to move on after this to a more heavily Matt-centric episode, where we're going to talk about you know McCarthyism and all sorts of stuff and and uh, the comics code. So buckle up for history, happy fun times. Yeah, no, it'll be really interesting. I'm actually excited for that because I'm eager to learn things, mm-hmm. and we're going to go straight into volumes nine through eleven, which are the last of the. Uh, Chronicle Archive Edition. Chronicles. the Chronicles. I get them confused. The hardcover is Archive and the, the, the softcover is Chronicle. 9th uh, through 11 of the Chronicles, which goes from 1943 to 1944. Happy New Year. Um, Joanne, I'm sure you were tapping your toe this entire time. I'm sorry. Uh, we're going to go to Volume 9, which is Batman, number 16 through 17, DC Comics, detective comics for those of you who are paying attention 75 through 77 and world's finest number 10 joker gets amnesia and he thinks he's a good guy that was interesting uh it was just a little kind of like well we're running out of tropes to do so let's just do this with our characters and you know what it worked and it was fine and it was a good fun little episode and joker remembered who he was at the end and then tried to foil batman and it didn't work obviously it's a weird lumberjack story with a bunch of paper mills and a bunch of guys with phonetic accents that I couldn't really understand. Uh, I couldn't place where some of these guys were from. I was like, are you French-Canadian? Are you Scottish? Are you Norwegian? What are what are you, sir? So it was it was weird. I'm usually really good with uh, phonetic accents spelled out in comics, and these were hard to place for me. And I wonder if it's just because these guys don't have
0: experience with these accents. That's one thing I'm wondering. Uh, or, honestly, like it might just be that the... The expected language of uh, or the way that you would phoneticize words might not yeah. have been locked in yet
1: yeah lumberjack language may not have been a, a <laughs> thing that i really understood or or understand now alfred makes his first appearance and oh boy he is not the alfred we know and love alfred is heavy set very british with a very phonetic accent masters master m-a-w master um He was a theater actor at one point. He's very heavy into detective literature and being a, Mm -hmm. you know, burgeoning gumshoe. Hey! And he explains that he was waylaid by the war in getting to America to become Bruce's new butler because he is the son of Thomas Wayne's butler. This is the first mention of Bruce's parents we have had
0: in the however many years we've been covering. And
1: I just want to point that
0: out. Except for the, well, I feel like there might have been something at some point. But realistically, like, it, this it, is pretty much it. Any other character aside from
1: Bruce, mentioning his parents. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Bruce may have said, like, mom and dad or whatever. Like, you mm-hmm. know,
0: I can't let you guys I'm, down. I'm trying to envision someone being like, I, I knew your father. And I, no. I feel like that must yeah. have, but I can't remember any.
1: Right. This is the first, to my knowledge, and I have notes. Um... <laughs> other character other than Bruce or Dick acknowledging that Bruce has had parents hmm. and that they had a life and were things that existed in real in the real world and had a butler
0: parents aren't things
1: right that being said Alfred's just like I'm your butler now and Bruce is like uh I don't know if we need a butler because him and Dick are concerned that this guy's going to discover that they're Batman and Robin sure enough of course Alfred does more by accident than actual deduction and he just becomes there you know butler and he takes care of them and he, he takes care of the suits and stuff so that they're ready to go out at night make sure that they get rest and food and it's kind of neat now they have
0: like a real family and it's mm. it's very lovely and that by accident is going to be pretty important like he's the he is the clumsy guy who still manages to contribute uh one thing i actually note uh he winds up like bumbling his way through combat fairly frequently mm-hmm. more so he winds up being more doiby than lois Lois yes. never actually contributes in really just about anything, sadly, in this era. Yeah. Whereas there are definitely points where uh, where Alfred needs to be rescued, but there are also points where he takes out a couple dudes. Right. And there are points where he gets in rugby costume and uh, goes out and lays waste for a while.
1: Yeah, him and Doyby Dickles would actually be a really interesting tag team, and I'd, I'd want to see that. Like Alfred would be the smart, intelligent, deductive one, and Doibee would be the rough-and-tumble one that handles all the business, and I'm mm. so down for that book. Yeah. That's a Brave and the Bold series that I want to read.
0: Yes!
1: So, uh, there's a lot more actual detective work now that Alfred's around that I've noticed. There's a lot more looking through yeah. microscopes and a planning A lot more out like roads. Sherlock
0: Holmes detective, yeah. specifically like finding the little clues. Right, a lot, lot, more,
1: lot more clue work and a lot more... Mm-hmm forensic work that alfred's now that alfred's around sort of in an effort to have alfred be this person who wants to learn from batman and in fact does learn how to be a detective from batman because bruce is like hey why not um uh there was a story with the joker that i thought was really awesome because i think it was some of my favorite art and writing it was by jerry uh the art was by jerry robinson and the story was Horace l gold it was the joker in the greenhouses and like the flowers that put oh people yeah to sleep. i mm-hmm. love that story it was so cool
0: There are a couple, like, right around there that just have really good and interesting hooks of, like, how the, what is it, the locked room mystery kind of works.
1: We've started to get real honest-to-goodness novel writers. Like, I looked at Horace L. Gold. He was a science fiction and novel writer before Hmm. he started working at DC. Did not. And the quality of the writer shows. And it's really awesome, and I'm excited because some of these are really good old comics that aren't tongue-in-cheek and aren't you know kids comics like that was a good mystery comic with like how the apparatus worked and how joker was doing it in the fight i was like this is really awesome and i liked the style that the joker was drawn in he was a little bit more gangly and, and yeah. creepy i thought that was neat so just a, a personal thing so jerry robinson is so far my favorite artist for batman right now and horace l gold may not be my favorite author but he's certainly one of my favorite
0: writers on the on the title One thing I'll throw in there while we're on the subject of creative teams. Uh, So we've slagged a bit on Bill Finger in the past, and by a bit I mean a fair amount. I threw out this, especially through volume 10 and 11, it is the majority is not Bill Finger. And I sort of tested myself uh, going through, was this written by bill finger without looking at the actual writer because of course this is the olden days and the only name on it is bob kane uh please credit both your writers and your artists and i found that i couldn't tell there were like two issues two or two stories rather that were like okay there's something that's just weird that's clearly bill finger but the only real like dead giveaway. Because the rest of the time, I was wrong. Uh, there were a lot of points where it was like, it's, is it Bill Finger? Isn't it? No guarantees there. The one thing that was dead guarantee, the weird le- panel layouts that the only way they could make it make sense was putting an actual number mm. in each panel. <laughs> that's the only times that it was like, okay, I know that's Bill Finger. And I was always correct. Um in these
1: volumes as well you have a batman aficionado who's a guy who essentially has just been studying batman and robin's exploits which is kind of the first acknowledgement that other than by the cops that the world is following the exploits of these characters in the sense that there is a solid continuity here yeah from that's from true. the beginning of their like of their inception to where they are currently and that's kind of interesting like Yeah, you have characters go, oh, Batman and Robin, or I know you, or remember when they did this? There is somebody who is literally doing our job in the Batman universe right
0: now. (laughs) Oh, you're right.
1: And that's really interesting to me. So, just a thought. Uh, Penguin tries a bunch of different gimmicks because somebody calls him out and says that his gimmicks are stupid in a big uh, symposium about how intense criminals are. And Penguin goes through a variety of phases of being, like, a fly fisher and a huntsman. Like, you know, the foxhound huntsman kind of dude. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It's a dumb story. It's a waste of the Penguin. Batman and Robin go on vacation to a undisclosed, weird, South American-ish town and do some stuff there. And then um, there's a guy with a photographic memory that mm-hmm. commits crimes. And then Batman and Robin convince to go work for the state. There's the Crime Clinic, which is a criminal who is also a doctor who uses surgical precision to plan crimes for other criminals and gets a percentage cut of them which is interesting and uh, I'm just I have this all in, in caps and I wanted to end on this this isn't actually the last story in the volume shark harvesting for vitamins yep Batman and Robin go shark harvesting to get the drop on a syndicate of people who are stealing harvested sharks to make black market vitamins because those are scarce during the 40s I'm sure you have notes about that, but I just there's an entire issue
0: explaining shark harvesting. I actually don't have much, but I do know that like the liver is of especially deep sea sharks is there's a ton of nutrients in there. And actually, apparently, the liver is like really damn big for deep sea sharks, like five to ten percent of their body mass. Wow, which you know, that's a lot of liver.
1: Yeah. Um. But yeah, just. There's a, whole, there's a whole story about shark harvesting. I was not prepared to learn that much about shark <laughs> harvesting. And I did. And there you go. Uh, volume 10, uh, DC Comics or Detective Comics again. 78 through 81. Batman 18 and 19. World's Finest 11. 1943 still. Uh, there's a reenactor war where Batman and Robin get these reenactors to kind of re- do these really awesome historical moments. And a bunch of Nazis dress up like the opposing forces for all the reenactments and try and fight them. That's kind of weird and silly. Tweedledee and Tweedledum return with a weird fake hunting lodge scam. Robin gets grounded because of his grades. This is the first mention, really, that um, Robin goes to school. Like, actively has a report card.
0: Yeah, like, we've heard, like, this will help me out in my American history class. But, like, it hasn't been more than a mention. There's
1: there's never been a, alright Robin, have a good day at school, thing. You know, like, he gets a report card. Bruce goes to his school to, like, speak to the principal. It's weird. We don't, when is he doing this? Because there are moments where Batman and Robin just take off and go places. When is he not getting in trouble? This is not Rick and Morty. You can't just, like, take a kid out of school for because of whatever and just be like, oh, no, it's cool, I got
0: it. Like, what? My guess, I would actually be interested to know more about, like, rich person boarding or private schools and to what degree you can just be like whatever i'm paying you deal with it yeah i don't know Me and my it's, kid are going fishing
1: it's weird it's a strange it's a strange world that they live in um but when you're batman and robin i guess you can do whatever you want not that robin's stupid because mind you the report card that he has sent is the wrong report card that actually showed we actually find out that robin's really friggin smart but he's been hanging around batman forever mm. so yeah he's a smart kid And I don't think going to school is going to be doing him any favors other than just keeping him from his real education because he's learning chemistry, forensic science, history, martial arts, like critical thinking. He's learning pretty much a lot of really important skills. Granted, if schools taught more civics courses, like here's how you pay bills, here's how you do your taxes, etc., 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 that'd probably be the only thing Robin needs to learn as an adult. (laughs) Because we don't ever see Bruce do that because he's probably got people for that. (laughs) Um, The return of the crime clinic doc... Shows up again. Gets broken out of jail. Uh, This character is really interesting purely because he ends up always saving the life of somebody and Batman gets always conflicted with him going like, I want to arrest you but you're kind of a good dude. And the guy ends up getting killed at the end of the story so there's no more of him. Batman and Robin start doing this weird tour of uh, the police. Oh yeah. Uh, So the Mm -hmm. first branch of the police force that they begin to work with is the emergency squad which is just the guys who get sent out like they're first responder officers it's really interesting that you get this weird like batman and robin spend a day with these cops okay
0: and we'll get a very similar thing later on with uh, harbor cops yeah
1: they do it with the uh the
0: coast guard there's actually a lot i'm gonna talk about that later on but yeah. a lot of re- repetition of storylines yeah think.
1: and but also at the same time probably a way to make their comics seem educational and patriotic not gonna fault them for that because of the time. Also, mm. probably really hard to think of stories when you've done pretty much everything. Because guess what? They finally do fucking time travel. True. In the in the nineteen forties. Well. Time. No, no. This is the dude who does time travel. There's the other one later, like the guy right, who goes right, back in time. Right. Yeah. And it's closed loop you're time right, travel. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It's a real legit time travel theory, which is really impressive for the nineteen forties. Mm. I don't know of any. Post 1950s time travel thing, other than the time machine, don't know when that was written, can't really say. Could you possibly Uh, look that?
0: H.G. Wells, yeah, it would have been published in 1895.
1: Okay, so yeah, let's say uh, 50 50 years, no, 40 Mm -hmm. years later, 40, 50 Uh, years, 50 years, so like Uh, 50 years later like forty to fifty years later, you get this time travel story in Batman, and it's solid. And it
0: Reads like a modern one. Yeah, like the framing of it. I mean, it's kind of zoomish.
1: It it reads like a kids Batman comic would now. Like mm-hmm. if there was a yeah, kid, if there yeah. was a Batman kids brand that you, that DC was publishing, this would be it. This would be the Batman animated series yes. closed loop timeline mm-hmm. story because a guy in the future is at the Batman Museum and sees a bunch of stuff, he's like, boy, I wish I could go back in time, I could make a fortune, ends up going back in time, steals a bunch of useless crap, like a lamp, and a book, and a toy, and these other criminals that he gets to join him are really confused, because there's no money in any of these things, and Batman and Robin are also equally confused, because this guy has strange technology from a time they've never seen, that's so bizarre. And the guy keeps explaining, "I could disappear at any minute. I need to get all these things, etc., etc., etc." Gets them, disappears. Batman and Robin clean up the thugs, and they take these things that this guy stole, and they put it in their like victory cases. Which, PS, now Batman and Robin have like you know a souvenir room, <laughs> which is kind of neat. We see that occasionally. Oh. Um, they do that, and then it flashes forward in time again. The guy goes, "I get it. I know why these useless items are in the museum because I stole them." He essentially created his own time travel loop. That's yep. really sophisticated for not a lot of real other previous time travel stories that to exist around other than the time machine. That was really impressive. Mm-hmm. So, Bat Trophies. Yeah, just, I just mentioned again <laughs> that Batman has a trophy room, which comes into play when uh, just some other shenanigans come down. Uh, Two-Face. The Reformation... And healing of Two Face's face, that was cool. I kind of liked it. Uh, two Face as a character, at a certain point, does become how many you know, like how many two puns can you make? How many and binary, especially puns? especially
0: in the hands of Bill Finger, right?
1: And so we, this is the first time we've seen Bill Finger retire a villain.
0: You're right. In terms of reformation, yeah, so this, is, this is just meant retiring. no, like,
1: but I'm saying like this is the first like <laughs> uh, Paula Van Gun like von Gunther, yes, yeah. reformation retire of a villain character thing that we've seen you know uh the the surgeon that bruce and gilda harvey's uh main squeeze explained that like there's a surgeon that can heal your face and he refuses to wait for him in the in the previous 2 face stories and then when he gets arrested and he, he accidentally hurts gilda in a storyline um he's like oh my god what i've been, what have i been doing i almost killed the woman i love and I, i'm sorry and and repents and tries to stop his old gang And then when he goes to jail, they send the surgeon to fix him because the guy finally arrives from Europe and and he looks like normal. It's nuts. It's a Mm -hmm. weird, like, whoa, that's a happy ending I didn't expect.
0: And we don't see anything of Two-Face after that.
1: never again. Uh, Batman and Robin help a journalist write his final story because he's dying and he gets killed by, like, he's he's terminally ill and he also gets, like, shot by some gangsters. Um, Nazis in Atlantis. That was cool. Uh, A bunch of Nazis have discovered Atlantis and they're using Atlantean technology to sink American subs and ships. Uh, Batman and Robin go down to Atlantis to thwart their plan. They find out that Robin looks exactly like the Prince of Atlantis. And there's a little bit of a switcheroo scenario where Robin pretends to be the prince to stop the Atlanteans from listening to the Nazis. Neat. Uh, Robin also kind of falls in love with the Princess of Atlantis. Both the prince and the princess are like 13 you know it's kind of a oh robin's got his first crush moment there's a that's guy that's true who, yeah
0: that is the first isn't it
1: yeah uh, oh. there's a guy who frames joker by committing crimes in the joker's name and leaving joker calling cards and the joker gets really pissed off about that there's a bunch of guys who who get actors to pretend to be millionaires that go on vacation and they have them come back and like give all their money up to certain organizations that they control and of course you know when you fake bruce wayne dick grayson's going to know that that's not really batman and then the Cavalier shows up, just some musketeer-themed villain who's a, a guy who likes to be chivalrous. Nothing really important about him. Volume 11, Batman, 20-21, through 21, Detective Comics, 82-85, through 85, World's Finest, 12, and this all happens between 1943-1944. Happy New Year. Joker uses a fake time travel scheme to get a bunch of guys to pay him protection money to come back in time or go back forward in time. It's uh, a return to a land where they're not freaked out by the weird ways of the future or the past and to escape Batman. The Batman and Robin spend time with the Coast Guard, like we mentioned, just like they did with the emergency squad. Dick Grayson's family shows up to get Dick Grayson back. Like, his legit family. His uncle <laughs> and his gold digger wife show up to take Dick Grayson from Bruce Wayne, claiming that, oh my god, it was my brother's wish that I would have his kid after he died. And, um, they find out that they're scamming pieces of shit, and that they were planning on selling Dick Grayson back to Bruce Wayne for a ton of fucking money. And that's really weird. And we Mm. never see those people again. (laughs) And I... That's sure, First time I've ever heard of Dick Grayson having an uncle.
0: And Mm. it is worth noting, like, as far as we can tell, like, he legit is the uncle. Oh, yeah. He's just a scumbag. He's a jerk.
1: Um... Alfred tries to solve a case by himself and, of course, gets into a bunch of kerfuffles that don't work out too well for him and he needs to get, you know, Batman to save him. That's good, though. Imagine a Mr. Bean episode. Yeah, it's pretty much that. Uh, But don't worry. Alfred's uh, gonna take care of himself. Detective Comics, number 83. Alfred gets thin and grows a mustache and becomes basically the Alfred that we all visually know. Mm -hmm. What?
0: Why? Why? What with the, still with uh, brown hair, I think, instead of black. Yeah, but still, or gray, like a, you know. Yeah, but other than that. But what yeah. the hell?
1: What the? Like
0: it shows it's not him. even clear how long he's gone for. Like he yeah. goes to like a health resort, doesn't say how long, Mm-mm. but he comes back and a he's, good like hundred pounds lighter. Yeah,
1: Bruce and Dick don't recognize him. Yep. Like that's how thin he gets. It's really weird. Uh, Batman and Robin go to help some cowboys out in the desert, and they uh, find loco weed. That's right. Basically a bad guy gets Batman to ingest some plants that make him weirdly crazy and irresponsible, and he tries to like kill himself with a sheriff's gun and they have to like restrain him until he gets out of it and comes down. Oh, criminals hoodwink a military historian to help them commit crimes in the prete- under the pretense that they're attacking, you know, spies or foreign locations. The penguin returns for nothing special. <laughs> He really doesn't. No, 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 that's fair. The crime agency is basically a group of criminals who all band together to practice their skills and get sent out on jobs. Uh, Batman and Robin break it up. And there's another false Joker, except this guy actually dresses up like the Joker and commits crimes as the Joker, and the Joker has to team up with Batman in a kind of way to stop this guy. And that's it. And that's where we're going to stop all of our summaries. We kind of meandered a little bit there. I know, Joanne, shut up. (laughs) But I'm going to just touch a few things here. I really like this Batman because he he leaves Gotham, and so to his That's villains. That's a good point. He's not it like seven huh. times out of ten, maybe six. He's not in Gotham, and not that there's a problem with Gotham as a concept or a device. But I like the fact that this Batman is not bound to the city. Batman yep. takes vacations. He's he not goes doing on... the
0: Spider-Man thing of, I can't go anywhere, there aren't tall buildings. Right.
1: He goes to the friggin' logger camp outside of the city. He goes to different countries. He goes to other states. It's awesome. He
0: goes all the way to California. Yeah.
1: It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird. It's really good. I really like traveling Batman because I feel like him just staying in Gotham and Gotham being this anathema that never improves and is always terrible... It's kind of a wasted thing on Batman, and I feel that it embodies the stagnation of the character, in my opinion.
0: I have stuff on exactly that.
1: Good. So, I'm, I'm done. Go ahead. Oh. You're, you're all
0: up. Okay. So, as regards to characters, uh, I'm going to touch on Joker and Alfred as well, but I'm going to specifically segue off of that. Let's talk about Two-Face a little bit. Uh we're specifically seeing some characters get closed out. Two-Face is obviously the biggest example. He stops being a criminal. He yeah. gets his plastic surgery. We also do see the crime surgeon we mentioned. Uh, he dies at the end of that issue, which is interesting because it's pretty rare that we see a, a villain with a name, like a quasi-supervillain-ish like super kind of character. Like the know? Lightning Master or somebody yeah. like that from Superman? Yeah, I guess, uh, who's been in multiple issues actually get killed off like actually legit killed off instead of just oh maybe he's dead no as near as we can tell like they introduced him he stuck around for one issue and now he's gone uh but partly first off that's interesting to me like as a narrative choice to not just have like one and done characters but only do two not even do like the rule of three like three act kind of structure so that's interesting in and of itself but second off I also think it's exactly that it's this is an instance where the willingness to resolve the characters avoids the stagnation that we see, quite frankly, to the present day. Similarly to like getting away from Gotham. And I do think Gotham is exactly that metaphor of Gotham never changing. I'm going to touch on that in a, in a minute, but there's healthiness in being willing to have these stories end, especially like it did for Two-Face. In the same way that it would be healthy for batman to get therapy first it can be helpful to the character having batman or two-face just living with their fixations forever means the character never changes at least along that axis and it becomes harder to tell new stories around them all that good stuff and here's the other bit that's interesting having these characters like resolve their issues can actually be really useful for de-romanticizing the idea of mental illness. Or whatever challenge people are facing, like these characters are facing, saying, okay, yeah, this is something that your favorite characters aren't just going to be stuck with this forever. It is, you can actually progress through and fix this. Like, if Batman gets therapy, and if that's embedded in the zeitgeist, as much as the question of what if Batman spent his money on schools instead of crime-fighting, then instantly you have one of the biggest icons of masculinity trailblazing the way to mental health. It's like, uh, I don't remember his name, but uh, was one of, the, I think Schwarzkopf, uh, and I'm sure I am mispronouncing that, apologies, uh, who I believe was the head of at least some of the armed forces in uh, Desert Storm, was one of the first like high-ranking people to come out about PTSD. Hmm. And you have that trailblazing. And as impactful as that was? Imagine if Batman said, hey, I'm in therapy, and it wasn't just something that happened in the comics. It's like people making jokes about it like or not not making jokes about it, but it's that same level of awareness as that joke about Batman, why do you spend your money that way? It's part of that zeitgeist of, oh yeah, Batman, the guy who goes to therapy. Right. But sort of looping back around. So There is that core conceit in Gotham stories that we're trapped in our failures, that there's no way to ever really fix the obstacles we face, and I think it would be really useful to have, like, instances of characters really overcoming it.
1: Yeah. Growing and growth is important. Mm -hmm. It's important for a human being to conquer their problems and struggles, and if they can't conquer them, at least find a way to deal with them in a healthy fashion that makes them a lot more, that makes them function on a more positive level. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. If you can make your life better
1: by finding help, then we yes. 100% support you on that. Absolutely. Batman often does romanticize the idea of being a tortured soul. And yep. It's a thing that you can appreciate about the character that is good, but you should never want to be like
0: Batman. So all that yeah. being said, though, like, how have we never had a literalization of the metaphor of Gotham of never changing? Have we never, not, never had... Like the Groundhog Day moment of just waking up, and every every night Gotham is exactly the same, or just it literally any progress that you make towards fixing it on any night gets reverted the next Wasn't night. Have we never had like the Cis, uh, Sisyphusian? Yeah, Sisyphusian. Yeah. You're right. Uh, that, Sisyphean? The Sisyphean sounds right. Have we never had that moment, that literalization, just. Like, imagining the nightmare just every night, it never changes. Well, we
1: kind of touched on that with Court of Owls. And that's cool, hmm. but even... If, I don't remember if he gets rid of them or not, but regardless, nothing has changed. So and that's that, the problem that's I the have with that. That's one of the reasons
0: that I kind of like the... I guess the literalization into the nightmare s- setup of it, like... I mean, you could set a lot of Batman stories uh, or a lot of years of Batman stories as like him in perdition. Oh, that's got to uh, be
1: that's got to be a Mad Hatter story. It's, I, like I would, That would be that would be a fantastic Mad Hatter. Like he just drugs the hell out of him. And it's yep. just like, I'm going to study you like this. Is, this is going to be fun like, and make the Mad Hatter like a real problem, like a real villain. That would be awesome. Like a six issue arc of him just first reliving the death of his parents. Hatter doesn't know what he's reliving. He just knows that he's having a bad time. <laughs> you know, and then just Batman dealing with that in a weird sort of self-confronting way would be really interesting to see how Bruce goes, like, I know this happens. And every time he sees it, it gets, like him becoming numb to it.
0: Hmm. I almost kind of like the idea of instead of just reliving one night over and over again, like, every single night is fast, like... Uh, Fast forward experience of everything from the murder of his parents to the present day. And just each time, nothing, nothing, nothing changes. Like, he
1: tries to change different things. He doesn't recruit Jason Todd. Or he doesn't bring Barbara into the fold. Or Mm -hmm. he tells Jim Gordon this time around. Or he just blows Gotham up. Like, (laughs) one of them is him just, like, standing over the ruins of Gotham as it's on fire. Because he's like, nope, gotta start over. Still not right. Like, Mm -hmm. just the descent into where he goes in
0: his head of, like what needs to be done yeah honestly like the the literalization of the metaphor of gotham never changing being a nightmare state is really interesting yeah and it's you're right it's definitely
1: not explored it really should be because that's that's the crux of what that character what bothers me about that character is the mm-hmm. lack of change remember everybody you want to be grayson you don't want to be wayne yes grayson's <laughs> not wayne's oxford's not brooks
0: All right, let's see. What else? Uh, Characters, appearances, or literal appearances, actually. Uh, Or random asides. Let's do literal appearances and characters and random asides. All right, so literal appearances. The Joker. So let's talk about Joker visuals. Mostly visuals, at least. Uh, The Joker... Reading these Joker stories and then especially seeing the very last Joker story here and seeing the way that visualization of the character changes to what I think is much better and much more the modern Joker really cemented something for me. The Joker is not square lines because square lines make him look human. They make make him look banal. They make him look less like a uh, clown prince. There's a reason that the Joker in the Dark Knight has, like, normal facial structure, that kind of square face. Uh, and that's because that version is trying to convince us that one bad day, you're just like me. But all the other versions that are intentionally being this extravagant Joker character, you don't see square lines, especially on the face. Compare them. So, uh, let's take a look at, like... Uh, the long pointed chin mm. we do finally see that that is the big change in the final appearance of the joker in the very last story that we look at every other time it's maybe a little bit exaggerated but it's not the distended uh chin with the giant grin we don't see that until then uh, and the animated series joker absolutely has that like that chin plus the high swooping hair breaking up those square lines uh, it's certainly not a square jaw. You don't you don't see that with the Joker, and you sh- and you shouldn't. The other live action that we can look at is the Nicholson Joker, uh, and there it's more of a normal look, or it's a more of a standard look because it's live action. There's only so much they're gonna do, uh, but it still doesn't have square lines. That's because the Joker, like, look at the hairline. The receding hairline is pretty accentuated at the sides. It's like pulled back making it look more like a soft M mm-hmm. rather than like a flat hairline. And it's further D squared because the hair is like swept out from the head. It's like, uh, maybe it looks like it's got two or three inches, maybe two inches of volume L- Little
1: Wolverine going on there.
0: Yeah. And it's pulled away from the head. So your eyes look at it and they are drawn up and away instead of along the flat line of someone's hairline. Um uh, Add to that, you've got the uh, constant pulled smile with the giant dimples, uh, or I guess those are the cheekbones and the raised eyebrows. Nicholson doesn't look square either, and he's probably the closest you get to square angles on a an extravagant Joker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's I think that's the reason that the comics version of Joker we were seeing for a while wasn't especially jokery, at least visually, because especially. Uh, there were a couple stories where he looks normal. And especially like his hair, just, okay, that's a line. His jawline is pretty normally Like I think the art that I
1: called out was the one where he looked the most normal, but he was the most lanky that we'd Mm -hmm. ever seen him. And that was, I think,
0: the one you might be calling out. Quite possibly. Uh, But the one thing that, like, you've heard me defend early, this version of Joker for a while. uh, The issue there... We've lost the pathos. Mm-hmm. Like I talked about, I love the the dark kind of d- despondency and melancholy and manic joker. Like, we don't see that anymore. Nope. We, we might see the manic, we do not see the despondency. He's a criminal. He's
1: getting more and more laugh, clown, laugh than he is, um, you know, Fuccinella.
0: Yep. Alright, Alfred's next on the list, so why not? Uh, let's talk a little bit about frequency first. So, when Robin and Doibee and the Lady in Evening Clothes were introduced, they immediately became fixtures of those comics. Just pretty much every issue. Not so for Alfred. He shows up a ton right after he's introduced, but it drops off immediately, and then he only shows up once in the entirety of Volume 10. All told, after he's introduced, uh, through the end of Volume 10, so about a volume and a half, he's in five stories out of 22. That's it. Uh, after that, he becomes much more of a fixture. Like, he shows up in a bunch of Volume 11 issues. But that initial introduction period, it's not all Alfred all the time. Which surprised me.
1: Yeah. I did forget after he got introduced that he had been introduced.
0: Yeah. That's, that's how, how infrequent it out. is. There are 11 stories in a row that don't feature Alfred in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but another... I do like this version of Alfred in general. There's one thing that bugs me, though. The power is entirely on the side of the rich in this particular case. The servant is bumbling. He apologizes to the masters all the time. He calls them master or monster. In the modern version, there isn't this complete power exchange. Uh, Alfred is more of a, a seneschal, a first officer, because he's the one who calls out. Uh, Bruce and Dick and everybody else on the team when they're screwing up. Granted, in this current comics era, or in the comics era that we're looking at, they claim that Alfred is a bit of a tyrant, but every time we see him on screen, uh, they're either making a little bit of fun of him, or they're only lightly taking his recommendations, or they're completely ignoring them and going on adventures while vacationing.
1: Right, this is a uh, He
0: Means the Golden Age not like yes. Rebirth. Um, yeah. And to which I
1: would say, um, the animated series treated him like this.
0: I would be interested to look at that then. Well, cause... then we have
1: to start watching that and maybe watching
0: that on Twitch and talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but more or another, I, th- I think it's important that, especially in a comic that has so many trappings of, uh, I guess, uh, I guess of oligarchy, mm-hmm. quite frankly, of... Aristocracy. Uh, the, the rich man savior. Yeah. That the character who is the literal servant whose life does revolve around the people he is a servant to, that he be a partner in all of this, that he be respected in that, really in that power dynamics way, and not just the bumbling servant. Uh, and that's, I think we both really liked that particular bit of that character in the, else, in the Earth One. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I really like this version. Like I said, he helps out in combat situations. He is a sidekick rather than a damsel or dam damzam, damzoid. In distress, I like damzoid. now. <laughs> like so I'm I say guess that's, that. that's more of a robot, but you don't know. <laughs> eh, that's a retcon. There we go. What, or working at the, the retcon. Yeah. Uh, d- 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 I think. Was the one oh, one? yeah. Supervillains and other characters, which I guess was actually the pair, or the header for that entire section. But... I'll take
1: supervillains and other characters for
0: 300 Ding, ding, ding. Uh, so, there were 38 stories that we covered today. Uh, nine of them had costumed supervillains. Uh, n- remember, stories, not issues. Uh, five of those uh, stories were with the Joker, two with the Penguin, then one each for the Tweedles and Two-Face. And other than the joker like the joker sometimes had a couple stories like right next to each other everyone else was super spaced out uh and only two nazi stories which really surprised me actually
1: yeah we're i mean perspective 1944
0: we're like full-on war mode Uh, yeah I, i think yeah and especially like 43 like i like we're covering before things look like they're winding down like I mean, 43, I think, is still the worst portion of the Battle of the Atlantic. Well, 44 is D-Day. Yeah, but but at that point, it's kind of looking... There's that moment of extreme tension, but it was looking like, okay, this is inevitable. It's just a question of on what terms... The perspective uh, of
1: American investment and involvement. Like, we're in the war. Oh, yeah. Like, we're doing things. And there We're... were
0: so many more Nazi stories earlier, and suddenly it just drops off. Uh, so that was interesting. By comparison, there were twenty tw- of those thirty-eight stories. Twenty-one of them featured mobsters as the main villains. Yeah, it really is just organized crime all over because they're a convenient enemy and non-recurring mobsters too. Yes. All new every single time, random mobsters with admittedly interesting schticks. Yeah, like that. Not they themselves had schticks, but they had interesting plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but a whole lot of characters named stuff like Trigger. Yeah, Trigger matches former oh, guys
1: with shark. Yeah, he looked like a shark. <laughs> I was in the uh, Coast Guard. Oh
0: no, I I have Star? to bring up the quote because the quote is so bad. It's like, oh, this is clearly a uh, Bill Finger line, and I oh, yeah. don't know if it actually wound up being. It was okay. Shark hockey isn't he the one they call the shark?
1: His first name is Shark.
0: Yes, yes, it he's, is. He's a two. He's a two animal name. Shark hockey. Oh God, you're right. Like, what
1: the f- Yeah. He's screwed either way. <laughs> He's lucky he looks like a shark, because that makes it easy to nickname him.
0: Uh, anyways, uh, so that's the end of my bigger, chunkier stuff. So I'll do some quick random asides, and then, I guess, recommendations? Yeah. All right. So, eidetic memory, sometimes you'll hear it referred to as photographic memory. Apparently, that's... Not, you should really like separate eidetic memory and pho- photographic memory and there's a whole lot less proof for photographic this memory is, this is for the story of the guy with the uh the camera eyes that they refer to it as the guy on yeah. eidetic memory yeah uh it seems like eidetic memory is in about the same place research wise as like asmr uh there are definitely some people with something but the accuracy of eidetic memory isn't great And it's really hard to separate that kind of, like, memory and memorization technique from others, like mnemonics especially. Hmm. Uh, So it's really hard to test that idea of photographic memory. The other issue is a lot of the research has to contend with the fact that there's a very small sample size of, uh, especially adults, who have it now or who even claim that they have it now versus like oh there's this there's there's the story of like von neumann apparently had a really 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 good memory that worked like that or this other guy back in the day who had a photographic memory you can't go back and test that now Mm, and that makes it really hard uh but what uh best guess is that uh something like photographic memory exists but it's really short term it's one of those look at it and then you remember for a minute or two with really high accuracy, and it's also not perfectly accurate. Uh, one of the, uh, actually one of the two Nazi stories involves U-boat number one sixty-eight. I think this shows up in the Atlantis, or yes. no, it was uh, the War Bonds. It was the War Bonds mm-hmm. uh, because there's a U-boat that winds up exchanging fire with an old school schooner. Yeah, this uh, is the uh, the reenactment war. Yep. And it has a big ol' 168 in the swastika painted on the conning tower. So it's like, okay, we know it's U-Boat number 168. Now I say that because appara- I did not know this. Uh, the Kriegsmarine apparently treated its submarines and destroyers as too small for proper names. So they got numbers. Hmm. Doesn't mean it was the 168th in production. Uh, but it does mean that... like. There was the 100 series, and it was, the, I guess, the 69th of that, or I guess 68th of that series, because I think it started with uh, U-101. But yeah, the German U-boats did not have names. They just had numbers. And because it's the 168, we can actually know which one it was. In reality, U-168 was active near Malaysia and was sunk in 1944 by a Dutch sub. Not by a reenactment boat. Damn it, comics. <laughs>
1: Damn it, you're teaching me the wrong history. It's okay.
0: Um, fair enough. This is more of an aside. Um, there are two instances here where Batman deals with people who are trying to commit suicide. Uh, I'm just... I'm going to keep like this bit like super focused. Uh, I don't like simplistic problem-solution-done depictions of helping people who are suicidal. Like... He shows up, saves them from immediate danger, and basically says, Hey, so your problem is this, your solution is that. Don't you feel stupid now? Mm. It really is just that. And if nothing else, I mean, I don't know a lot about what is the most effective, either on a moral or on a pragmatic level, for reaching out and trying to help people who are having suicidal ideation but I, I'm damn sure it's n- the best method is not uh, trivial uh, it's not trivializing it to making it just two pages or even one page in one of the issues. Uh, and it's not going in without empathy, right. And so these, I don't know how to have that conversation, but this sure ain't it. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Oh uh, yeah yeah this shows up in one of the 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 word O-Y-E-Z. oh yeah oh easy yeah, oh, yeah all rise for the honorable judge blankety blankety blank right uh i found out the etymology of that cool so apparently it's derived from the old french verb uh o u i r we're it's close to that but i would have almost have expected like an er in there but i mean it's old french uh but yeah, so modern French verbs, you conjugate with an ez if you're addressing a plural you. So Oye is hear this, all of you. Uh, Dutch surnames. Okay. So we did have at one point crooks being mentioned as trying to steal the Van der Hoff necklace. So this makes decent sense because diamonds and other rare minerals are found in South Africa. Vanderhoef is a uh, Dutch name, mm. uh, the Dutch who were in South Africa became the Boers who are to some measure still in South Africa and certainly were in South Africa. At that point, specifically, they settled in before the the Boer War and the British probably kicked them, most of them out. Uh, it is entirely reasonable for a South African diamond family to have uh, to be named Vanderhoef and it especially makes sense because Vanderhoef apparently literally means of the farm. Hmm. So... Turns out a whole lot of people probably had that name. Yeah. Uh, The other bit that... Let's escalate this a little bit. Uh, The Dutch Van is used pretty commonly even among non-nobles. Whereas in Germany and Austria, von was much more often tied to the nobility. Uh, Let's escalate that a little further. In Austria, when the nobility was legally disbanded in 1919, because one of the stipulations of the end of the war was, by the way... All your uh, all your imperial family like know that you're not a monarchy anymore. Uh, technically, even the titles were disbanded, so you don't call the head of the Habsburg family von Habsburg anymore. Except if you're at any kind of event that isn't in Austria, hmm. because it's literally just an Austrian law that says no, nobody has a noble title. Weird. So if you go anywhere else, you will often hear like uh, his imperial highness uh blank blank von Habsburg or something to that effect uh so that interested me neat and one last bit that brings us back around to our good friend Alfred Avoir du <laughs> uh, is a phrase, a phrase that literally means the pounds and ounces system of weight uh, or I guess it's uh having of or weighted goods I guess is the literal etymology of it but what it means is the, the system of weighting that is pounds and ounces rather than metric. Uh, colloquially, you can say that someone has a voix de poids if you're saying they're heavy, like Batman says to Alfred at one point. All right. What are you reading? What would you recommend?
1: Uh, currently, I just finished Superman Volume 1 of Rebirth, which is Son of Superman. Uh, it is the introduction to John Kent, Superman and Lois Lane's son as well as the return of an old villain that I actually got freaked out when I saw who it was and I kind of squealed a little bit because I recognized the <laughs> character by their eyewear. What? And that was neat. Um, that, was, that was a good reveal when that happened. And it's good. I like it. Um, it's not like a knockout of the park, but it shows Superman in a very interesting light of being a father and trying to be like his father and how to deal with a super boy and what he would have done if he was... You know parenting a child with superpowers how his parents dealt with it but now he has superpowers so maybe he deals with it a little bit differently and Lois Lane is a mother it's cool I like it I'm excited to see where it goes further and I like John Kent I think he's a cute kid I think he's just as much of an annoying kid as I could handle for one of these situations but also at the same time he's smart enough and capable enough to not be in the way and be annoying annoying he's just a kid and I like that so if you want to look at Superman Rebirth, problem with it being it's got some tacked on prehistory that you need to know before you can jump into it. It is not a complete actual rebirth and resituation of the character. You need to know what happened in New 52, Convergence, and Rebirth. If you don't, I don't recommend it. However, if you just don't care about that and you just want to read <laughs> comics, hey man, go for it. and
0: I, I would recommend it. Alright, and on my end, I'm I've probably made this recommendation before, but I'm going to say it again because I got caught up on it. All New Wolverine is spectacular, uh, and earlier this week I sat down and read, I guess, like the past five, four issues, and then uh, Generations came out. Generations was solid, and it's a standalone comic. It's apparently like a mini-event, but it's enjoyable enough. The little like touching moments it's interesting seeing like modern characters have 80s style adventures and have that moment of, oh yeah of course there aren't cell phones yeah uh, but all new wolverine had it's the the last arc that it completed three issue arc so short but there was i think two fight scenes in the entirety of it One was unrelated and just part of the like the not even the inciting incident, but the uh, like the the pre-show kind of sizzle reel, like uh, Kirk and Spock uh, Mm. jumping out of or having a crazy adventure before getting back and getting their orders kind of thing. Mm. So that one doesn't count. And then the other fight was not necessary and just a misunderstanding. It wound up being a a collection of people who are normally thought of as just killers having a big ol' heel off. It was beautiful. It was what this comic can do, where it takes characters... I mean, Laura Kinney is literally going by the alias of Wolverine. Like, she knows that legacy. And for the writers to give her a storyline that feels like it's going to be apocalyptic and dark and have it end up, like, all the way through being, no, we're we're good at this superhero thing, and we're really doing what we can to make this end well for everybody, and because we're smart, we're not starting fights that we shouldn't. Like, it works. Also, Deadpool makes an appearance, nice. and it's my favorite... Uh, I am a fan of Deadpool now in particular ways that he is being portrayed. Like we've talked with Koi about Deadpool and Spider-Man. Great. Uh, This is that same kind of character, that same kind of loopiness. And if you've met Gabby at all, Gabby is spectacular and Deadpool is spectacular. But yeah, so go read that comic. It's very good. All right. Uh, Get ready for some history to come straight out your face
1: and your ear holes. (laughs) Um I'm excited. I am yeah. I'm excited for this. Uh, you have a lot of reading to do. Oh I do. You have Tencent Plague and the uh, Secret History of Wonder Woman. I so, got the books. You got the books and the power. Um so we're gonna get to that next issue and then things happen. Continuity. I'm excited for continuity. I'm excited for a continuing story that matters and characters that come back and forth and oh good sweet lord, I'm excited. <laughs> so thank you uh we love that you're all listening to the episodes thank you again for listening please feel free to tweet us uh on twitter you know do the instagram thing those are both at dcd podcast facebook page dc detectives podcast and uh yeah email us dc detectives at gmail.com you know if you have any questions or you want a topic breached or you want to tell us what your lumberjack voice sounds like because that's important to us and these things matter otherwise have a good rest of your day and we will talk to you all next time dc detectives can be found on soundcloud and itunes to stay in the know check out our facebook twitter instagram and dcdetectivespodcast.com Our time with the Wayne family had come to an end. The hospitality of Alfred and the strange interview with Bruce and Dick about their alter egos was a nice bookend for our time in Gotham. Satisfied with the feeling that we now had a fully formed foundation for the Bat family, we made our way back to the office to begin preparing for our next case. However, the government agent that greeted us had a piece of paper that said we were in fact the next case. The House of Un-American Activities Committee had demanded that we be present.